0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
1: Uh, For Chris in Manhattan, we were talking about Jets Dolphins. Just found it. Xavier Howard did not practice today. We'll keep an eye out on that with the groin injury. Did not practice today. All right, let's turn our attention now. As you just heard at the top of the hour, the regular season is over. And now we start with the postseason beginning with Wild Card weekend. And the Mets are trying to make my head spin as a Mets fan. To try to sort it out for me, we turn to the man who does a great job for SI covering the sport of baseball. He is Pat Ragazzo, and he joins us now here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Pat, how are you? I'm great, Larry. Thanks so much for having me on. Thank you sir. All right, I'm sure you've seen it. Either the Mets are going to start Scherzer in one, if Scherzer wins, then they'll move Bassett into if Scherzer uh if if Scherzer loses, then they'll put the Gram into. I mean, Pat, what are they doing to me? What are they doing to me? They're driving me crazy here. What's going on?
2: Well, I think the Mets uh want to line up Scherzer for game 1 um and you know that way uh, depending on the outcome of Friday night's game, if they win the first game, then that would give them the option of starting Bassett for game two, thus saving potentially Jacob DeGrom for a game one start in the NLDS against the Dodgers, which would also line up to start him, for him to start a game five against the Dodgers as well. Now, Buck Showalter did this earlier in his career uh, when he managed the Yankees. They did this back with David Cohen when they were lining him up for the ALDS uh, against the Seattle Mariners. So, um, I think it also, uh, another point as well is uh, Jacob DeGrom dealing with a blood blister and a cut cuticle on his hand. So I think uh, the more time you give him kind of the better. Um, so that, I think that's why all signs kind of point to Scherzer starting game one. Um, and then depending on the outcome, Bassett in game two.
1: Pat, is, is this one of the reasons why we've seen a different DeGrom over his past three, four starts? Some of these injuries with the blister and the cuticle because – I mean, he's giving up home runs, and he's got an ERA over three. Pat, we don't see DeGrom with an ERA over three. It's been a long time, almost five years.
2: It has been a long time. And in his last three starts, he's given up 11 earned runs, and he has been prone to the long ball. Um, he said that the blood blister and cuticle cut kind of formed in his second-to-last start uh, in in Oakland um, and then of course we saw him give up a couple long balls against the Braves over the weekend when the Mets got swept so um, again I, I just think that the more time they give him to, to heal the better you know because they want a healthy Jacob DeGrom going into October into the postseason
1: Pat Ragazzo from SI is my guest alright Pat let's let's take a look for my fans and listeners at uh, the Padres we don't see a lot of them and I thought like most people okay you get Bell you get Soto you know, this is going to take, this team is going to just, they're going to fly. They're going to just be so good. And they really haven't. What is going on in San Diego?
2: Well, of course, Juan Soto uh, has has struggled since the trade. And, um, yeah, these, these acquisitions that the Padres made just haven't really paid off so far. Now, that doesn't mean that they're not dangerous in the postseason. And the Padres have very strong starting pitching as well. Uh, The Mets will have to face you Darvish on Friday night, which is going to be a tough task. And then of course, Joe Musgrove and Ian Snell will likely pitch in the series as well. If it goes to three games. So uh, the Padres are, are a powerful team on paper and although their acquisitions haven't lived up to expectations just yet, doesn't mean that they're not going to in the postseason.
1: Yeah, there's no question about that. And, for me, as a Mets fan, Pat, my big question is: Which offense am I going to see with this Mets team? Am I going to see? Am I going to see the offense that just bludgeoned Washington after getting swept, where they could only score what six, seven runs uh, against Atlanta? Which offense am I getting?
2: Well, the Mets' offense—the keys to to their offense uh, being productive—is Francisco Lindor and Pete Alonso. Now they're going to be the key if the Mets are going to have a. a productive offensive series against the Padres, and they're going to need to. And it's, it's going to be tough to score runs against some of this uh, this Padres pitching, but it really comes down to the three and four hitters. And uh, the Mets have really missed Stalling Marte in the two yeah. this whole month. And uh, it doesn't sound like he's going to be ready for this series, which is a, a pretty big blow for the Mets.
1: Take me through how big a year Jeff McNeil has had, Pat. I mean, you've watched him, you know, a couple of times during your, your time covering the Mets for SI. What, what is it about he's, – he's teased us with this for most of his career. What, what was it about this year that really he was able to put it all together?
2: He's just hitting the ball at a very uh, extremely high rate of contact. And uh, I believe he was batting 294 going into July, and then he just caught fire. Uh, towards the end of, of the month of July, and he, he batted Edward 371 ever since. So, uh, he's not a guy who strikes out a lot, and he puts the ball in play at at a pretty impressive rate. And um, yeah, he wound up winning winning the batting title today over Freddie Freeman.
1: Yeah, it was you know it was it was something to see. I'm I'm very happy for him because, like I said, he's been that guy that's kind of teased us with that ability, and he was able to lock it in. Uh, how do you see this series going, Mets San Diego? I think the Mets will win in three games. Okay, so it's going to go three. Okay, sounds good. Let's look at the other National League before we go over to uh, the American League. Uh, Philadelphia, St. Louis. I tell you, this has been interesting. This Philadelphia team has been interesting for me, Pat, because Joe Girardi brought his bench coach over with him, the same one he had with the Yankees, to manage. He gets fired. It's really the same thought process, I would think, the same style that Girardi left and Philadelphia took off. Is this just a, a situation where Girardi got tuned out?
2: I don't know if he got tuned out, so to speak, but um, I, I do think that that was uh, getting rid of Girardi kind of lit a spark under this team. And uh, they also were without Bryce Harper for a long mm-hmm. while, and they turned it around before they got him back. So um, they're not a team that pitches particularly well and they don't play good defense, but they wound up, getting hot and uh, sneaking into that sixth seed in the, uh, in the last wild card spot. So, um, yeah, I think that they have a seriously good offense. And uh, as good as the Cardinals have been down the stretch, um, it's, it, that's going to be a pretty tough series for them because the Phillies have been playing very good baseball as well.
1: Phillies and St. Louis, this is an interesting matchup. I mean, you got Zach Wheeler in, in game one. He's probably their most consistent uh, a guy. But you know what? This is a, kind of a feel-good story for Albert Pujols in St. Louis, huh?
2: Yeah, it has been. Of course, him getting over seven hundred home runs, and he's he's been on fire with a long ball uh, in the last couple months of the season. So, um, yeah, it'd be interesting to see the Cardinals with Pujols, Wainwright, and Yadier Molina get one last run here in, in October.
1: Let's go over to the American League, Pat. Uh, Tampa Bay and Cleveland. This is a cle. This is a Cleveland team that you know is is not a lot of us have seen, but they've played well. They won their division, uh, so now they've got Tampa. And, you know, Tampa's been the team that they've had a lot of injuries this year, but they still find a way to win games. It, it's amazing how how they've been able to do this pat over the past couple of years with very little payroll. I mean, it's got to make Hal Steinbrenner, like, throw stuff in his office.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's an understatement. Um, but, yeah, the the Rays are, are a team that have kind of done it with smoke, smoke and mirrors, but that's just a credit to their – research and development in their analytics department uh, being one of the strongest in the league. And that's why they're in the the playoffs again, yet again. And um, Cleveland is a team that kind of surprised people this year too. And um, I think that that series is going to be a a pretty interesting one considering, uh, you know, both teams were kind of the underdog this year.
1: Pat Regazzo from SI is my guest. Pat, for me, out of all – and obviously I have a rooting interest in Mets San Diego, so I'm going to put that aside – this Seattle-Toronto series could be a really exciting series. I'm looking forward to this one.
2: Yeah, it's it's going to be a very good one. And uh, the Blue Jays have a high-powered offense still, and the Mariners have been like a Cinderella team all year. And they, they broke the longest playoff drought in, in the league, uh, having not made the playoffs since 2001. They, they made it this year, of course. Um, they got Julio Rodriguez, and there's a lot of good players on both sides. Vladimir Guerrero Jr., um, but I, I like the Blue Jays in that series. I think they they take it two games to one.
1: You think they have enough pitching? I know they can hit. Do they have enough pitching? Well, I guess with Castillo in the short series, you can you got a good shot. <laughs> for I mean, yeah,
2: we, yeah, the Mariners,
1: yeah, because I'm saying for Castillo, course, yeah, it Mariners, gives them course, a chance. Castillo.
2: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, right. Yeah, of course. No, the Mariners are very really well equipped for this series, but um, I think the Blue Jays will be moving on to the next round. I think they have enough pitching to get it done.
1: All right, I held the Yankees back for a reason, uh, Pat. Let's talk about this Yankee team, and let's talk about what Aaron Judge was able to do uh, this year. I've heard a lot of people talk about greatest season. Some of my colleagues here at ESPN, unbelievable season, greatest season ever. What, where does it rank what Aaron Judge was able to do this season, in your mind?
2: In my mind, this was the greatest season we've seen from a position player in baseball since, really since Barry Bonds. That's, that's where, where Aaron Judge ranks for me this year, the things he was able to do. He was the most dominant hitter in baseball, and it's going to be exciting, and you hope that, that it carries over into the postseason.
1: And that's my question. For this Yankee offense, what, what, what can we look for from them? I don't know which offense is it. Are we going to get the one that's close to – because I know they're not as good as they were in the first part of the season, clearly, but are we going to get an offense that's close to that? Or are we going to get an offense that really struggled in the summer?
2: Yeah, that's, that's a big question with them, um, you know, but as long as Judge and Rizzo and Stanton are hitting the way that they're supposed to be, I think that, they're, you know, the Yankees should be just fine in October and, um, you know, probably will be competing for a, for a pennant uh, over in the American League.
1: Pat, is this the year that, uh, do you think this is the year that, that Yankee fans will say, finally, this is the Garrett Cole we saw that, that gave us so much trouble when he was in Houston in the postseason? Uh
2: I mean, it's possible he had he had over a 4.0 ERA in his last 15 starts of the season, um, but he has done it before in the postseason. He pitched pretty well in 2020 in the postseason, and the year before he went to the Yankees when he was on the Astros. Uh, he had a very good uh, October that year for for Houston uh, when they went and they won the American League. Um, I, I do think that um, you know it's certainly possible that that this is the year that fans are probably finally satisfied with Garrett Cole in the postseason.
1: The other concern you have if you're a Yankee fan is this is a team without a closer, Pat. And in the postseason, you need to kind of know who your closer is. How do you think this, this pitching rotation and, and roster is going to shake out for the Yankees?
2: Yeah, that's a question, Mark. I mean, um, Aralda Chapman hasn't pitched well, of course, down the stretch since he came back from the injured list. Um At at this point, it's kind of got to be Clay Holmes uh, who's going to be their closer in the postseason, um, even though that's not cut and dry right now. But, um, you know, all signs are are pointing to it being Holmes, you know, just by process of elimination.
1: Last thing, Pat, as we how do you think this is going to play out as we look back after this first round? Do you think the rust versus rest issue? How do you think this is going to be? Is it going to be a situation where Major League Baseball, because they added the extra teams, wanted to give an incentive for you to win your division by giving you, you know, a bye in the first round? Is is that rest versus rust thing going to come up? Is it going to be a negative? How do you think it's going to ultimately work out?
2: Of course, that's always something we we see in football, where it's, um, you know, sometimes the teams who get the first round bye Uh, they show their rust and it it winds up kind of coming back to bite them. But I think with baseball and a sport where you play the game every single day, I think, I think it's actually going to be beneficial to the teams who get the first round by that. They're going to be well rested, Uh, especially the pitchers who are going to be, uh, you know, having some more rest and uh, you know, time off in between.
1: Pat, where are you? Where, what, what uh, series are you covering this weekend?
2: I will be out at city field covering the Mets and Padres all weekend. So Will um, be interesting to see if we get all three games, or you know if one of the teams can win it in two.
1: Yeah, it's also going to be interesting to see if Edwin Diaz can continue his magic way he's been. I mean, other than Judge talking about what Judge was able to do in the walk here, how about what Edwin Diaz has been able to do in the walk here? He totally—he's a different pitcher this year, Pat.
2: He very well could be the first closer to get an $100 million contract, and he's earned every bit of it this year, striking out um, j- just about as half the batters that he faced.
1: Wow, $100 million? That's what, uh, per multiple
2: reports, have been going around that he wow. could, projecting and predicting that he could be uh, the first closer to get $100 million, and, and he, he has been that dominant this year.
1: Pat, what do you think about uh, DeGrom? Does he get a fifty million dollar deal? I mean, I've, I've heard that number floating around as well.
2: Um, I think he'll at least eclipse four million because uh-huh. Max Scherzer is currently makes the most at forty three million a season. I think Degrom will get more than that because that's where the market is set at. Um, fifty million might be kind of a stretch given all the time that he's missed, um, and he is still, an, you know, an injury question mark. But I think I think I'll at least get forty four million.
1: Judge back with the Yankees.
2: I don't see how they can let him go. Uh,
1: how about years? See, that's my that's my thing with him, Pat, is I believe they'll pay him the money, but the years might be an issue with what you've seen historically with how they treated Robinson Cano after the situation with A-Rod. I'm, I'm wondering if, if he asks for 10 years, I don't know if they'll do 10.
2: Yeah, it's tough because he's going to be 31 years old, um, so you don't want to give a 31-year-old a 10-year contract, but... Um, if it comes down to it, where the years are the sticking point, I think I think they'll do it if, if that's what he wants. Um, but I think in in the end, the the average annual value will be the the biggest sticking point.
1: Pat Regazzo, have a great weekend out at City Field this weekend. We'll talk soon, my friend. Thanks for a couple of minutes.
2: Sounds great. Thanks so
1: much for having me on, Larry. You got it. This is Pat Ragazzo, covers baseball for SI. We'll come back. We'll take your calls next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
3: I just said the exclamation point it has still yet to come for the Yankees because as great of a regular season this was, winning the division, going away with it, it got dicey at points in late July and August because the team had not been performing well, but Then once they got their head up off water, they never really lost control of the ship. The exclamation point being the championship. Let's not get it twisted, folks. This is still championship or bust. Right now, you look at the odds on BetMGM. Only two teams have better odds to win the title than the Yankees. It's the Dodgers who, (laughs) it feels like, quietly got to 111 wins, one of the best regular seasons in MLB history and it's it's just amazing what they continue to do so they have better odds to win the title rightfully so and then the Astros who got to 106 wins and have been in what one two three World Series uh, in the last couple of years so with the Yankees the expectation is still for many fans to win the championship and anything short of that is a massive disappointment and a failure. So let's enjoy what we watched from Aaron Judge. Let's enjoy clinching the American League East when before the season all these folks were you know, running to pick the Blue Jays. How'd that work out? Let's enjoy it. But once the division series comes, it's back to business. It's back to—because that's what was so different about— the last month or so, being a Yankee fan. We really didn't hear much about, you know, complaining about the bullpen, complaining about the rotation, not having the offensive power to put yourself in an excellent position to to win a championship. We weren't really talking about their title chances because it was all about Aaron Judge. But now that he has set the record... And we can reset as we embark on what us Yankee fans hope to be a long postseason run. Reality starts to set in, and there are still some flaws they have to figure out. Like this this closer by committee, how's that going to work out? Now, ironically enough, the Dodgers are going to be doing the same thing because Craig Kimbrough just wasn't good at all for them this year. But a closer by committee— don't feel great about it, because it just tell it's like starting quarterbacks. You got three, you don't really have any. If you got four closers, it means you don't have any. And we're gonna talk about who should start game one because Nestor, I think, clearly was better than Garrett Cole this year. And if Cole gets to start, it's strictly on like his resume and his salary and what he was brought here to do. Nestor's been better this year. Severino, maybe you trust him more because when, at least when he's been healthy, he's been fantastic. Garrett Cole simply hasn't been great this year. And over the last six weeks or so, really wasn't that good. Now, it's not to say he can't turn it around, but if you can get the pulse of, of Yankee Universe as far as how they feel about this rotation going into the postseason and asking them to power rank who they trust— I would imagine Garrett Cole is not number one and probably not number two either. We're going to really need to see him show out in the playoffs in order for them to to reach their ultimate goal. Which is why, you know, congrats to him for setting the Yankee all-time record in strikeouts last night. But not going to mean much if you're the reason why this team doesn't get over the hump. Because that's what you were brought here to do. And so far it hasn't paid off. And we're still not going to let up after what happened at Fenway Park last year because that was an embarrassment. And you did nothing this year to erase the feelings of trepidation. So the Yankees are going to get the winner of this series between the Guardians and the Rays. So you're either going to play a team you finished 13 games better than in your division in Tampa or the youngest team in baseball who you were seven games ahead of in Cleveland. So that's what it comes down to. Let's go to the phone lines. We lead it off with Spike in St. Pete. Spike, how you doing, my man?
4: I'm doing good. You know I'd be there for you. So listen, here's the way we look at it. Uh, They go right to the DS, which you got to win three out of five, 60%. And in the sevens, it's four to threes. The most it goes, that's 57%. I got an interest in this whole thing because I'm five minutes from the ballpark in St.
5: Petersburg.
4: Mm -hmm. So so, uh, now look, look, history tells you the Guardians are still tough for me to change the names, but uh, they're an easier matchup, but uh, the Rays aren't the same this year. I watched a lot of them. They're good. They're good, and they're well-managed. And they seem to have the upper hand, but the point I made, and I told this to Larry or Gordon, of of them, the other night, and it's 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 obtuse to look at it this way, but my my age shows me this that the rotation with the extra, all the pressure and then the, the judge and the distractions, and it's been, a, it's been a floppy year, but a great year to fly. Very happy for the young man. Couldn't be more proud of a human being, really, the way he handled himself and the family story. But I'm getting to the point right now what I see is the rotation kind of took shape. Severino's been brilliant, you know, in the, the, the little argument with Boone, you know, that's a personal thing. Once the to finish no-hitter. I can't blame him. Uh, Talon will be the, the guy out of the bullpen. Uh, Herman will come out of the bullpen. It, it all comes down to the guy you paid all the money to. So, so if you take it exponentially all the way out, he'll start five games if, it, if they keep winning uh, uh, with Cole, and you need three good starts. You need need him to go seven and just keep the run total one less than they score and not have that bad inning. He's so prone to that bad inning, and I watch him, and he's a horse. He's made 33 starts this year. And, and Towns made 32 starts. The bullpen thing, you, you brilliantly said it before. The Dodgers are shackled with the same thing. And some other guy, the team uh, picked up Hayter. You know, there's one, uh, Mariano. We we're all so spoiled. You yeah. were a youngster then. Yeah. It's, we're all spoiled. We don't have a closer. So score three more runs, man. <laughs> that's a <laughs> good, never, never
3: that's a good way to say it. Listen, that's a good way to say it because save situations are three ones or fewer. You yeah. get into a safe situation. Just score three more runs so it's not a safe situation. So we don't have to worry about closing. We we need to have all the extra insurance that we can right. just because you don't tr- you like Clay Holmes, if if he had continued the entirety of the like, season the way the he had pitched, he just fell apart, man. After the All he was a, he, he was an All-Star and then he just completely fell apart after that. I was at that game where he just completely yeah. imploded against the Reds. And, oh. and, and he, he just fell apart. Couldn't find the strike zone. He's giving up home runs. Yeah, man, it, it's and it's I, tough.
4: Listen, last question. Last question. Enjoy the NBA, too. I know you're locked and loaded. I've got
3: Suns Lakers on one of my TV screens here in the studio. Yeah, I, I got
4: everything loaded on all my devices. I'm all set. But but the last question. And this is a bad question to ask such a diehard because you have passion in it. They always say, if you had your choice. You don't have your choice, but if you had your choice, who do you want to play? And that's the kiss of death, but we're on a sports talk show. That's what we do. Well, that's
3: a a great question. In this next series, I I want to play the Rays.
4: Give it to me right through.
3: It's going to sound crazy, and I promise I'm not just doing this for attention, but I really do feel like— part of the sweetness of victory is righting some wrongs and getting some revenge. So I I do want to beat the Rays because of, of what happened in 2020 uh, in game five. I, I do want to play Houston because of what happened in 2017 and 2019. And then it really doesn't matter. And then it really doesn't matter in the World Series. Like, I, I'm not going to sit here and say I want the Dodgers. I don't want the Dodgers. I don't, I don't want the Dodgers. I only They're want the ra- I only want the raising the Astros because it just feels like there's some unfinished business.
4: But you know what, Ty? And thanks for the time, and I'll listen to the show. I promise. But listen, the Dodgers, they don't have... Atlanta's been the best team in baseball from game 50 on. The Dodgers have, have lost Bueller the whole year. Kershaw's okay, but in the postseason, you know, he's, he's okay. Uh, they don't... You know, they just have the bullpen problem. Uh, the youngsters are pitched well, but they're going into the big arena now. So, I think Atlanta's the biggest threat. You know, I don't know, one,
3: man. I'm uh, looking at a Dodgers team, and I appreciate the call, Spike, who just want to Hundred and eleven games. <laughs> it just feels like every night you, you're watching Sports Center, and it's like, oh, another Dodgers win, another Dodgers victory. And yes, they dealt with injuries, but their rotation was just incredible. Their offense with uh, with Betts and, and Freeman was outstanding. <laughs> that the, Betts and Freeman. I, I actually was looking this up doing my homework for the show because I wanted to see like judges where he ranked. In all of the offensive statistical categories, so judges first with 133. After that, Freddie Freeman and Mookie Betts in runs scored were tied for second with 117 a pop. Like that offense is spectacular. Their rotation was outstanding. They got 111 wins, and I know everyone wants to give the the Braves all the credit in the world is because they deserve it. They won the championship last year. They overcame a ten and a half game deficit this year, and and they are playing their best baseball. But don't sleep on that team, in LA. Do not sleep on that team in LA. Sam in San Antonio wants to chat. What's up, Sam? Hello, good
0: evening. Hi, how are you doing? Uh, I gotta say, it's an absolute pleasure to finally be able to speak with you. Oh, uh, nice, man.
3: I, Thank you for making the phone call.
0: You're welcome. And honestly, my man, I, I had a great compliment ready to go for you because I've been listening to you for quite some time. It's the first time we ever actually got to speak directly. I called into Han a lot and when you were uh, behind the glass. Oh, but yes, I do I'm, remember I'm actually, you.
3: Yes, I do remember uh, that. Yeah, the whole
0: Jay Z thing. Yes. Uh, but I'm kind of reserved on giving you the compliment that I had ready for you because you're, you're, as great as your open was, you, you kind of said something fraudulent there. Okay, let me but hear I'll still it. give you the compliment. Um, the fraudulent compliment. Comment was how are you gonna be watching a preseason nBA game over the last Dude, I got baseball game? that's fraudulent
3: I got no it's not fraudulent I got caught slipping <laughs> and I was talking I was talking to uh I was talking to Leo about this that it, it just <laughs> The, the time, the start the, t- the start time threw me off. I'm used to my 7 o'clock starts for Yankee games. So I'm like, right, I got an hour to kill. Well, that's fraudulent. What am man. I going to do? You're a Yankee guy. Listen. I've been
0: listening to you.
3: <laughs> <Go ahead, laughs> what am guys, I going to do? I got an hour to kill. All right, let me throw some preseason hoops on. And then I get reeled <laughs> in by the Knicks. And R.J. Barrett, You know, Jalen Brunson making his debut. I see a little bit more of a poised Julius Randle. But- Mitchell Robinson is on the court making plays. And I'm like, okay, I, I could get used to this. And then all of a sudden I look up and it's 8.15. And I'm like, oh, no. Did I just – I'm getting the Twitter notifications. And I'm just like, man, you have to be kidding
0: me. But if I may, before I get to my my ultimate Mets point, the, all, all jokes aside, the one thing I really did want to say to you, uh, I, I've i been, I'm a sports talk junkie, been listening to sports talk probably before you were born, and honestly, I really do think that you have a very bright future ahead of you. Thank you, man. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, we you. don't follow the same teams, but uh, you are very one of the, you know, listen to a lot of personalities throughout my 30 some odd years of listening to sports talk. Granted, uh, we don't We're not fans of the same teams, but you always come with points rather than um, fanhood, if that makes sense.
3: Thank you so much, Uh, man. I appreciate it. You're welcome,
0: man, and and I'm really looking forward to seeing how your career develops. I I, I have nothing but all the best luck for you in the world, and congratulations. I think you just had a a newborn not too long ago as well.
5: I did a year ago
0: congratulations, man, but now uh, you, you definitely do got to get off the, the, the Jay-Z ledge because he's nowhere close to Biggie or uh, or Nas or, you know, Cannabis, if you remember Cannabis. He just cool, decided to course. battle LL Cool J, but lyrically that guy <laughs> was just unreal.
3: One of the greatest, um, one of the great um, hip-hop battles lyricist. of all time. Cannabis and LL, of course we remember that, but... Yeah.
0: Uh, now, uh, just one thing about Cannabis, because I was a big fan of him. I don't know if you know much of his uh, his uh, his uh, his, uh, his list of music, but the um, there was a time frame that he had a battle with uh, Eminem, uh, and if I'm sure everyone knows uh, Eminem's Stan. So Cannabis wrote a reply back to Eminem. Listen to it if you already have it. The name of the song is You Didn't Care. The point of the song is he continues where Stan ends. And like yes, no, he I remember was driving that. by. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah I remember song. that song. Great song. I remember uh, that. My Mets Point. Um, So I'm not one of those fans that you were talking about earlier where the Mets fans were talking, blah, blah, blah. I don't care what goes on in other teams. I only really focus on my team. Um, And I think Don LaGreca hit it on the nose. that They won 101 games, but... Because of the way the last week unfolded, it kind of seems like a letdown, but I'm really not looking at it in that way. Atlanta played their you-know-what's-off. I think I heard that if they continued at that same clip from June to the end of the year, they would have won like 117-18 games, so that's absolute insanity. They just happen to have one of the best teams in the league has the same division. Now, of course I would have loved the division. I'm still, I still have a very positive outlook on how this postseason can play. Now, you know, everybody's talking about LA. Everybody's talking about Atlanta, Houston, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the team that I'm actually, Oh, before I continue there, uh, can we please get rid of Timmy Trumpets? This whole downtrend <laughs> happened when that started, and I was the one like right from the beginning, like, "Oh, this is a bad idea, but the team that I 'm actually afraid of, not because of that the what they put on the field, is just their organization, is St Louis. Mm. They always seem to quietly back their way in and then just go on a run. And the additional thing this year that's really got me worried is that it's Pujols back with Molina, and this is going to be their last year. I wouldn't be surprised if Adam Wainwright uh, pitches a a no-hitter or a perfect game in this postseason and has a zero ERA. Somehow that team always ends up uh, doing it. All the teams in the playoffs this year are all good teams. None of them are perfect. I do still think – with Marte, the Mets are still the best overall team. Mm. Without Marte, we saw what happened. I thought he was the MVP of the of the team. Uh, he's the engine that made them go. Uh, without them, without him, my uh, outlook went down big time. If he could somehow manage to get back in, then it's going to go right back up. But St. Louis, I think, is that quiet sleeper that everybody yeah,
3: I, about. look, and I appreciate the call, Sam. It would be a great story for St. Louis. I mean, what Albert Pujols has done this year. He's now at seven oh three. I mentioned this in the last time I did a show. He needed twenty one home runs this year to get to seven hundred. That's a number he hadn't gotten to since twenty nineteen. And for him to put together this type of campaign and, you know, with so much history on the line was, was a was remarkable. It was a great story for baseball, great story for him and it's the kind of send off you would love if you're just someone who is an objective observer, like if you don't have any dogs in the fight in the playoffs and you can see Halls and, and Molina and Wainwright go out on top, that would be dope. That that, that would be great. But as a Yankee fan, not rooting for it. When we come back, though, do got to talk about the Mets because you hit on some things that I've been hearing from the Mets fan base and a lot of people talking about what happened to them with this division lead. And there are some other ways to look at it. So let's talk about the mess when we get back. 800-919-3776, get on board Ty D. Butler. That's on Twitter and Instagram. Hit that follow button, hit me up, at Ty D. Butler. Back in a moment, right here on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.
3: We transition to the New York Mets because a lot of fans last night just took exception to some of the things that I tweeted about as far as the Mets are concerned. And all I said was, I'd imagine that if the Yankees had won a 10.5 game lead, including going 1-5 against the team chasing them to end the season, they wouldn't be given any excuses. I don't see any controversy with that. I don't see any you know, massaging of the facts, that's just what it is. If the Yankees have blown a 10 and game division lead, there is not a single person who would be up here saying, well, you know, the other team just got hot. What can you expect? And the caller Sam just alluded to it when he said, well, the, the, the Braves, the way that ha- they had been pacing since June, who could stop them? Okay, so does that mean we ignore the first two months of the season? where the Mets were just outstanding. So if the Mets had just been pacing the same way, they would have run away with this division. Here's the deal. Your team just blew a 10.5-game lead. And you're now playing in a card round against the Padres, a series you should win but absolutely can lose. And it's the difference between you being set up more favorably versus what exists right now, which is that your path to winning a championship goes through San Diego, presumably the Dodgers, who just won 111 games, and the Braves, who not only are the defending champions, but just took the division from you. And I think most Met fans are not exactly writing the season obituary just yet, but it does feel like because of how the season ended, you're drawing dead. And there has to be a psychological element to... A team collapsing the way that it just did and not really having the postseason experience, that taste of winning, that understanding of we know what it takes to win, regardless of what the circumstances are. So I am intrigued to see how the Mets respond to this. That's all I'm saying because, and a part of it is, I guess, an emotion when. All I heard in July and August was about how the Mets were just taking over the town, little brothers on the come-up, Uncle Stevie's the reincarnation of George Steinbrenner, Mets destined to win a title, they're going to add judge in free agency, and it was just on and on and on. Yankee fans shaking in their boots, and then here we are, with it absolutely being on the table, that the Yankees, when they begin the playoffs, will have the Mets at home watching it, because they could very well be done this weekend. So that's all I'm saying. All, I, all all, everyone kept telling me was, if Scherzer and DeGrom are healthy, I feel great about them against anyone in any series. I guess except when in the biggest series of your season against the Braves, you had them lined up on the mound with Chris Bassett and you got swept. I don't want to hear the excuses. I don't want to hear the, the Braves are playing at an 800 win percentage. You had... The fate in your hands. You you controlled your own destiny, and then in the final six games against the team that was chasing you, you won one, including being swept with Degrom, Scherzer, and Bassett on the mound. And yes, the offense didn't show up, but those pitchers didn't exactly pitch well. So I'm just not here for all of the, you know, let's anoint the Braves because they're the 23 Yankees. Look, Braves. That is a phenomenal team. Might win it all again this year, but there is no excuse for the Mets blowing that ten and a half game lead. And I'm not apologizing for that take. Doesn't make me a troll. Doesn't make me a Met hater. And all the people, oh, why you talk about the Mets so much? I, yeah, dare to be the New York sports talk show host who talks about the Mets? Yeah, it's a bad thing talking about the Mets. I, I just keep bringing it up because I like I I can't deal with. All of the passes that they're they're being given. Now, if they go out there and they beat San Diego, they beat the Dodgers, they beat the Braves, they win the championship, then all of it's for naught. I'll come on here and say, you know what? They've proved me wrong because I did not foresee them being able to get off the ground after blowing that double digit lead and running through the arduousness of playing just four elite teams and maybe San Diego's not elite but at least three or four elite teams I but I just don't see it happening you you had the division in your hands you controlled your own destiny this what it would be different if The Braves were playing the Marlins and the Nationals, and you were just playing, you know, the Dodgers. You are playing the Cardinals. You're playing the same teams. You're in the same division, and you guys go head-to-head. And then I hear people saying, well, if the Yankees were in the NL East, they'd be in third place. Well, I mean, the Yankees at no point during the season had the luxury of 19 times playing the Nationals and playing the Marlins. No, they were up against the Blue Jays who everyone picked to win the division, made the playoffs. The Rays, who for years have been winning this division, made the playoffs. And an, an, an Orioles team that actually wasn't that bad. Wasn't that bad. The Red Sox finished in last place, but everyone else, pretty good. So I I I just felt like we, we needed to put into its proper perspective what happened last weekend for the Mets, Just because folks were trying to get away with ahistorical facts, a little bit of revisionist history, a little bit of let's make excuses just because it's the team that we love. The Mets suffered a collapse. As good as the Braves were, the the Mets had to contribute to that. In order for the Braves to overcome a a 10.5 game deficit, the Mets had to have played a part in that. If you win just one of the three games this past weekend, we're not having that conversation. We are not having that conversation. And it does sting just a little bit because the Braves just lost two of three to the Marlins, and the Mets swept the Nationals. So they finished both with 101 wins, but because you lost the tiebreaker on Sunday night, the 101 wins – It's good enough for a wild-card spot. So how about that? That just has to sting. It really does. You win 101 games, and you're a wild-card team. It's the first time. So I'm looking at the Mets encyclopedia page. When's the last time they won 100 games? It's the first time. This cannot be true. It's the first time since... It looks like 88, they won 100 games. The last time the Mets won 100 games was 1988. I wasn't even born. So they just won 100 100 games for the first time in, what's that, 34 years, and it wasn't good enough to win the division because you choked. And now you're mad at me. Missed me with that. Your phone call is coming up next, right here in 987 ESPN. This
0: is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on ninety-eight point seven ESPN.
3: Uh, Ty D butler on Twitter and Instagram. We're going till midnight. Gotta give a shout out to I want to make sure I get this this handle correct. Just got a tweet from at the transit man eighty one. Says great point about the Mets. They truly collapsed. They got swept by the Cubs, lost two of three to Washington. At the beginning of September, they split with Oakland. They split with Miami. And then last game, remember, they come they come back from down 4 nothing and went on a walk-off. And if this is the Yankees that this is happening to, we're talking about a collapse. We're not making excuses, so the people need to call it what it is. Go to the phone lines. We talked to Daniel in New Jersey. What's up, Daniel?
5: Hi, what's going on, man?
3: Yo, lay it on me.
5: All right, all right. So I'm a big Yankees fan like you, but I'm a, I have a Mets point first, and then okay. I'll get to my Yankees uh, question for you. Let's do it. So I'll see if you agree. Um, so my Mets, I, I, Ty, I know what you're saying, man. I just have a hard time calling it a collapse because I have stat use in front of me, and the Braves played at an 114-win pace but at the, since June 1st. So we're looking at June 1st because that was the 10-and-a-half game high mark. That everyone's looking at the Mets at that time since then have played 600 baseball. They were 67 and 44 to close the season. It's just hard. I mean, I mean, that's an 100 win pace, too.
3: I get it. But so here's the thing. I just think here's the here's the thing when when you when you're and it's not that you should never lose. I just pointed out being swept by the Cubs. It's not that you should never lose. But at the very least, head to head. With the team that is chasing you, who you once led by ten and a half games, and I get they were dealing with injuries, and they they clearly became a much better team post June than they were the previous two months. Just just go back to if we want to say the last six games where the Mets went one and five against the Braves, or just the last series. You've got your three best. You could not have lined this up even more perfectly. All you had to do was win one game. No one said you had to sweep. No one said you had to win the series. Because of what happened with with the Marlins, uh, with the Mets beating the Marlins on the same night that the Nationals walked off and beat the Braves, all you had to do was get one. And you had DeGrom, Scherzer, and Bassett all on the mound. You had leads in every single game, and you got swept. That's all I'm saying. You got swept. So we can't blame or we can't just put all of it on, well, the Braves played at an 800-win pace. You, you played a part into what happened to you at the end of the season. Don't. All we needed you to do was not get swept with your three best pitchers on the mound. Because all I heard all year was about the Mets being the favorites, how good they are, this rotation, uh, Buck show alter, this and that. And look, I hear you. They they're not it's not 07. it's not 8 eight. I'm not gonna put it in that category. But for no, you to vomit not. a ten definitely and a half not. game lead and then get swept with your three best pitchers on the mountain when all you had to do was win one, I think is an embarrassment. That's all I'm saying. But go ahead.
5: No, I, I, I definitely get what you're saying. Um and then uh so I'm a big Yankees fan like you, so it to my Yankees point if you don't mind. Then I'll hang up and listen. So obviously right now the way it lines up, we're going to play the Guardians or Rays in the ALDS. So I, I kind of want – because I know you're going to get into it and kind of got into it um, earlier about who would you start in game one. So I think if it's the Guardians, I think you start Cortez in game one. And I think if it's the Rays, you start Cole in game one. Um, I, I, for the Guardians, because in game one, you want Jose Ramirez batting right-handed. You don't, you don't want him having that short porch in Yankee Stadium. You don't want their best offensive player hitting from the left side at Yankee Stadium, um, which would happen if Cole is the starting pitcher in game one. But um, what lines up great is also is you're going to get Cole and Cortez in four of those five games because it's game one, off day, game two, off day, and then three, four, and five are three straight days. So it does kind of line up nicely for the Yankees in a way.
3: Yeah, and I think it's that's a good point, Danny, and I appreciate the Thanks call. Thank the call, by the way, man. Thank, thank you for making it. I, it's a good call as, you know, how are the Yankees going to use this rotation? Who's going to start game one? Is it Nestor Cortez, who I think, if we're being objective and we remove, like, the resume and the contract, he's been probably the best starter for the Yankees Severino has a higher ceiling, I would say, than Cortez, just because of his stuff. Severino has a higher ceiling than Cortez. Cortez has had the better regular season. Cole has the most cachet. So you've got an abundance of weapons, and we're going to talk about how the Yankees... Should be looking to utilize these guys coming up in our number two. We'll also get back to your Met phone calls. I see you guys on hold. 800-919-3776. We're coming back for our number two with Mets, Yankees, Jets, and Giants right here on 98.7 ESPN.